Once again, it's wonderful to have you here as we gather together to hear the Word of God and to worship Him as a family. And hopefully you got your little name tag on so that we, about every other week or so, we have a little name tag Sunday so that we can remember everybody's name. Lots of new people within the church. And so it just helps everybody to say, oh yeah, I know who you are. I'm Doug. See right there. That's what it says. We are, uh, by the way, I was just, we started last week, but even this week, thinking more about how strange the English language is. Anybody here an English major, by the way, in college or something like that? English majors? There's an English major. A couple of English majors back there. Whoa! What a strange language we actually use. It's, uh, it is so imprecise. And one of the reasons for that, of course, is English has actually been a conglomeration of of two or three of the Greek words, and there are, are uh, Latin words, and then there's the Old English words, and so it's, it's not a pure language, and because of that, it's just not nearly as precise as it needs to be if you want to really communicate things. Some words, in fact, in English can have opposite meanings. I even have a list for them right here. Here we go. Let's see if we got that list. Here's a lead. Now, for instance, bolt. See the word bolt? The bolt means to secure, as in you bolt the door, or to run away, as in I bolt. It means both. The word custom can mean usual, or it can mean special. Okay, like, well, it's our custom to come here every Sunday, or that's a custom a paint job. One is what we always do. One is completely unique. Fast can mean quick, or it can mean unmoving. A person is fast, that means they run fast. But if, if something is held fast or nailed down fast, that means it doesn't move at all, right? Left, so many. Left can mean remaining or it can mean departed. There are four people left, meaning what? They remain. One person left means what? He departed. That's the English language for you. As a matter of fact, let's, let's see what you can do with this word right here. This word right here. The word set. Give me some of the different definitions for the word set. Yes, what is it? Like a set of dice, okay? How about, what else? Okay, to put something, I set it here. Okay, what else? A television set. Wonderful. Okay, what else? Set. A sound set. Okay, I like a hand set. Anything else that you can think of? What? Set up. Okay, very good. What else? Anything else? There should be. Anything else that you can think of right off the bat? Let's see if we got some. Okay, handset, set the table. If you're going to make jelly, what do you want it to do? Do you want it to be liquidy? What do you want it to do? You want it to set. Okay, now get ready, just so that you know. This is how many different meanings, according to Oxford, this word has. 464 meanings, according to Oxford Dictionary. This is the language that we have. This is the language we, we get to use to try to... Uh, explain the kingdom of God. No wonder there's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of misunderstanding when we talk to one another about simple things. There's a ton of misunderstanding when we talk to one another or when we talk to the world about the Christian life. And much of it is because we don't really understand the important words that we use to describe Christianity. We use a word and we mean one thing, but somebody else is hearing something else. And so we're not communicating, which is why we're just in the beginning. We have a few more weeks. It's a short series called this, Five Misunderstood Words and Why They Matter. We're just looking at five important Christian words or words that describe Christianity or words that describe our Christian life. These are important words. And yet, when we use them, 
People look at us like we're crazy. Sometimes even we don't understand what they really mean. And they matter so much. And here's the five words we're going to be looking at. Love, righteousness, peace, joy, humility. Five words that help to define who we are. Last week, we looked at the top one, which was love. Now, hopefully, what we understood from last week is we have such a wrong concept of love in this world. When we talk about, boy, we really, Christianity is all about love, and it's, our church is really loving, people wonder, what does that mean? Sometimes what we get is kind of a gooey sentimentality that, that we're all just kind of, you know, I just love you so much, it's just so wonderful. That's, that's not love. I don't know what that is, but it certainly isn't love. What we discovered last week was that love means when we care about someone enough to do something about their situation within healthy boundaries. Okay, we had to put the healthy boundaries. Love moves us to action. Love is caring about someone. You don't even have to like them. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It has nothing to do with sentimentality. Love is caring about someone enough that you're willing to do what you can for them within healthy boundaries. This next Saturday, we're going to try to love this young couple that wants to get married right here. You don't even know them, but you're going to try to love them. You're going to try to help them get off to a good start. There's a homeless family that came through our Interfaith Hospitality Network, and now they found a place, and we gave them a little, for one week they stayed with us, and they wanted to get married, and we said, okay, we'll do what we can. You're going to love them, and you don't even know them. How are you going to love them? By being gooey and sentimental and saying, oh, it's just so nice to have you. No, you're going to love them. If you can, within healthy boundaries, to bring some food, bring a gift, something that they're going to need. It's called love. This next Saturday also, some people are going to love the community here. They're going to demonstrate that love because they're going to go down to, on Brown Road and they're going to help build a park. They're going to help build raised beds for uh, vegetables and people can, some of the poor people in the community that need to have a community garden. We're going to love them by doing that. You don't even know them. You don't feel anything really about them. But you love them. You see, love has much more to do with a work day than with Valentine's Day. You got it? As long as you equate love and Valentine's Day, you will not understand Christianity. Love has much more to do with a work day than Valentine's Day. But the English language doesn't do that because the English language only has one word for love. And so, Okay, that was last week. Now, this week we're going to talk about this word right here, righteousness. Whoa, righteousness. That's a fun word to say. How about that? Righteousness. It is one of three words that the Bible really uses to describe the kingdom of God. Take a look at this passage. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Stop right there. Sometimes that's what we turn the kingdom of God into. I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with girls who do, okay? That's Christianity. The way I was raised when I first came to faith was Christianity was about I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't dance, I don't go to movies, I hide my eyes from all that kind of stuff, I only eat, you know. That was Christianity. And the Bible says, no, it's not. Eating and drinking has nothing to do with it. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, those are the three words we're going to look at for the next few weeks. Today's going to be righteousness. Righteousness, peace, and joy 
in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by man. It is righteousness. Okay, let's say those three words with me. Ready? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, those are the three words we're going to look at for the next three weeks. Righteousness should describe our walk with God. But it is so misunderstood. So misunderstood, in fact, most of us don't go around saying, you know what? I am really righteous. <laughs> but you better be able to say that. Because if you can't, you're in a world of hurt. Let's talk about the myths of righteousness, okay? The things about righteousness that people think, and probably some in this room even think, that are just not correct. First of all is this. Now we're to your sermon notes. If you want to do those, that's fine. Here we go. To be righteous means to be perfect. If someone says, I'm righteous, or we look at someone and say, that is a righteous person, we think, that is a perfect person. That is, boy, that person is so stinking good. We call them righteous. But that's not true. Take a look at this passage. There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Now, stop. It didn't say there wasn't a righteous man on earth. It says there isn't a righteous man who never sins. Automatically, right away, we know that righteousness isn't the same as perfection and sinlessness. Righteousness is something so different, and yet we've got that misunderstanding. Righteousness, a righteous person is a perfect person. Nope. Absolutely not. Bible even tells me. Next myth. I can be righteous by following rules, because that's the way we see righteousness. A righteous person is one who always follows the rules. They're so good. They're so perfect. They follow the rules. And if I could just follow the rules, I would be righteous. And my big problem is that I can't follow the rules. That's why I'm not righteous. That's why I can't stand up and say, I am righteous. I'm not righteous because I'm not following the rules. One day, if I work hard enough, I can follow all the rules. Then I can stand up and say, I am righteous. And it's not true at all. It's not true at all. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Following the law, observing the law, following the rules will not make you righteous. It can't be done. But because we think righteousness is that perfect person, that, that holy person who kind of glows in the dark from just holiness, you know, that kind of thing. We think of perfection. We think of following the rules. And it's not true. So let's talk about the truths of righteousness. Now I'm going to share with you, by the way, if you haven't figured out, and this will probably scare half of you away for the next four or five weeks. When we do a series, we, there's kind of ideas behind every series, of course. This one is far more theological, in its, and I hate to use that word because you're probably frightened of it. But I'm just trying to tell you, for the next three or four weeks, we're going to be looking at the theology, the understanding, studying how God works within our lives. We're going to understand some key ideas that will help us in our life as we follow Jesus Christ. Okay? First of all, the first truth of righteousness is this. I have 
to be righteous. Now, when I put that down there, let me back off from that word right there, just for a second. I have to. I'm just assuming you want eternal life and you want to go to heaven. Maybe you don't. Maybe you'd rather spend eternity in hell. Then you don't have to be righteous at all. But if you want to inherit eternal life, you have to be righteous. Scripture says this, the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The righteous. If you are not righteous, you will not inherit the land. You will not inherit heaven. You will not inherit eternal life. It's just that simple. You have to be righteous. And let me tell you why. Ready? Here we go. This hopefully will clear some things up for some of you. First of all, when I am righteous, I am right with God. And friends, that's all the word means. Righteous means right with God. Some of you are in or had some family relationships or some friendships that have been broken. They've been broken because of your actions or they've been broken because of your friend's actions. And you are no longer in a right relationship with that person. It could be a friend and maybe you don't talk to that person any longer. Maybe they're not even a friend. Sometimes, painfully so, it's even a family member. And we're not right with them and they're not right with us. There's something wrong in that relationship. A wall has been built because of their actions or our actions or a combination, and we're not right with them. To be righteous means to be right with God. It means that we are in a right relationship with God. That's all the word means. It doesn't mean that you glow in the dark from your holiness. It doesn't mean that you are perfect. It doesn't mean that you are better than anybody. It simply means you are in a right relation. You have gotten right with God. Every single one of us was born in a relationship that was not right with God. As we grew up and as we came to age, we began to live out that not rightness, that unrighteousness. We began to go our own way, turn our back on God, do our own thing, become selfish, want things our own way. That is unrighteousness because it puts us in a not right relationship with God. And then sometime at some point, hopefully we'll get into that before the day's over, we get right with God. And when we get right with God, we call it righteousness. So this means, are you ready? We'll follow the logic here. If I am not righteous, then I am what? Not in a right relation. If you are unrighteous, it means you are not in a right relationship. So that's that simple. And here it is, guys. If I am not right with God, I am what? Lost. So simple. So simple. Are you right with God? Has He found you? Are you in that relationship with Him? Then you are righteous. If you are not in a right relationship, if you're still seeking for that relationship, and you're, okay, that's wonderful. I continue to seek it. That's wonderful. I want you to keep looking for it. But if you are in that right relationship, You're righteous. This is what the Bible says. The Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the what? Unrighteous for the day of judgment. If you are not righteous, then you are unrighteous. And if you are unrighteous, 
you are currently being held for the day of judgment, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why would you want to do that? Instead, what we want to do is get right with God. And when you're right with God, you are, you're as righteous as you're ever going to get. Okay, Because righteous just means right with God. There isn't more right with God or less right with God. There's either right with God or not. There's either righteousness or unrighteousness. So now here's the question, and you don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. Now, are you righteous? I am. I can stand before you today and claim that I am righteous. And even as I say that, some of you kind of cringe. How can you say I am in a right relationship with my father, and I have been for over four decades. I have been righteous for over 40 years. And if that bothers you, you still don't get the meaning of the word. You're trying to put in other meanings. It's like taking the word set and trying to find all the different definitions. I'm talking the biblical understanding of the word righteous. Are you right with God? Say amen. Amen. You're righteous. We got a whole room of righteous people. Let's put that out on our billboard sometime. See what happens, huh? Come on in. We're righteous. Yeah, the righteous church of Salem. It wouldn't work, would it? Why? Because they don't understand the word, but that's all right. Before you walked in, or most of you didn't understand it either. The word righteous in Scripture isn't about your perfection. It's about your standing with God. Are you right with God? And you are so righteous. I understand why you may not want to go out and tell people that. I I do. I wish that we could say it. Instead, why don't we just define it and say, you know, I'm right with God. But every time you say, I'm right with God, what you're really saying is, I'm righteous. Every time you say, I've got a relationship with my father, you're saying, you know what, I'm righteous. Every time you say, I know my Father and I'm walking with Jesus, what you're saying is, I am a righteous person. I am right with God. That's the first truth you need to know about righteousness. Let's go on to the second thing you need to know about righteousness. Here we go. I cannot be righteous, right with God, by my actions. Didn't we already cover this? Yes, we did. But it's so important, I'm going to cover it twice. I put it both in the lies, in the myths, and in the truths. This is so important. Some of you don't think that you're righteous because your actions aren't always perfect. Therefore, you can't be righteous and you don't understand at all. I cannot be righteous, right with God, by my actions. Being a perfect person, never doing anything wrong, wouldn't make you righteous. You can't be righteous through your actions. So many people are caught up in this lie. So many people, they suffer frustration and guilt. You know you should be righteous. Maybe you want to be one of the righteous ones, but you look at your life and you realize you're failing here and you're struggling here and you're better here, but, but it's kind of a struggle your whole life to move forward and become a better person. And you say, I'm not righteous at all. And in fact, you are. You're thinking you're going to be righteous because of all the good things you're going to do. But you won't. That's what the Bible says. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, if you could be good enough to be, if you could earn your way, if you could be good enough, follow the rules so that you could be righteous, 
then Jesus didn't have to come. Christ died for nothing, according to the word. If you can do it on your own, just by being really good, Jesus died on the cross for nothing. But he didn't die on the cross for nothing. He died on the cross for you, and you know why? Because the truth is you can't do it through your actions. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how closely you follow the rules. You can't be righteous through your actions. It's just that simple. So it comes down to this. Here's the next truth. I can only be righteous, right with God. I'm going to drum that into your head so much so when you walk here, you'll never think of righteousness and, and that, that purity and the sinlessness ever again. You're going to think immediately right with God. That's why I've got it every single time. I can only be righteous, right with God, by faith. Which means trusting God. See, this has been a big question from the very beginning. Most of us really didn't have much problem accepting the fact that we were unrighteous, that we were displeasing to God, that there was a problem in our relationship between ourselves and God. Most people at some point, if they believe in God at all, will say, yeah, and there's something wrong with my relationship. They know they're unrighteous. The problem is then they try to say, okay, how can I get right with God? I know, I will read my Bible more, and God will like me more, and that will fix my relationship. Which is really kind of true because when we're in a wrong relationship with someone else, if we have an unrighteous relationship with our spouse, with one of our children, or a friend, how do we fix that relationship? You do something, of course you do. Yeah, that's why God created florist shops and candy boxes and <laughs> restaurants and, and I don't know, whatever it is you do to fix your relationship. And that's how you fix all your human relationships. And so naturally, what we do, what do we do? We want to fix our relationship with God. We go, oh, I know, I'll do something. He doesn't like flowers or candy, but uh, I, I'll, read my, I'll go to church more, I'll read the Bible, I'll be really, really good, I'll pray more, uh, I'll give more money, and God will like me, and that will fix my relationship. God said, no. It's true. You can move from an unrighteous relationship to a righteous relationship, which just simply means you're not right with somebody, and you get right with somebody because of something you do. You treat them better. You apologize. You, you, you buy them a gift. You know, I don't know what it is. So many different ways. But it doesn't work that way with God. The brokenness we have in our relationship is so deep. You can't buy your way out of it. What does he need anyway? What are you going to give him that he doesn't already have? What are you going to do for him? Special. That he doesn't already expect you to do anyway. How can we be right with God? And the truth is, on our own, we can't. It can't be done. And yet God loves us so much. Remember the love we talked about last week, that love that, that leads somebody to do something within healthy boundaries for that other person? God loved us so much that he did something for us so that we could be right with him. He sent his son. Not to lecture us, not to show us the way we should be living, but to do something for us that we couldn't do. He died for our own sins because of all the things that we had done. Jesus Christ died for us. And then our Father says, now look, 
Do you trust me? This is what the Bible says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Do you understand the word righteous first to last, by faith first to last? You know what it really means? It just means simply this, from the beginning to end. By faith, we become righteous. By faith, we maintain righteousness. By faith, we will end our lives in righteousness. There is never, ever, 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 ever going to be a time when my righteousness, my relationship with God, that right relationship will be maintained because of what I do. Never. It's not that we start by faith, but then we complete it by just being really good, and then God says, you know, I really do like you. We started by faith, but boy, you've really earned it now. The only people who think like that are people who've been in the church too long. (laughs) One of the biggest concerns about people who've been in the church too long. At some point, we actually begin to think that we've earned this by now. I mean, we've we've been good Christians for 40 years. Do you know how many tens of thousands of dollars I've given to God? I'm righteous. Sure, I started by faith, but now it's because of what I do. The Bible says, no, it's from first to last. You start by faith, you maintain your righteous by faith, you will end your life righteous by faith, by faith, by faith alone. It's just like that. Every person in the Bible that is declared to be righteous was declared righteous not because they obeyed the rules, but because they believed and trusted God. Abraham was righteous Because of what? Because he gave his son? He was willing to give his son? No. He was righteous, according to the word of God, by faith. He believed God, it says, and God credited to him as righteous. I will now see you as righteous. Our relationship is restored. We are now in a right relationship, Abraham. You know why? Because you believe me. You haven't even done anything yet. But you believe me. Our relationship is now right. Abraham, you are now righteous. So here's our message. This is what we believe. Here's where we are. You better be righteous. If you're not righteous, that it's, if you're not righteous and you're willing to admit it, man, I, I understand. I would ask you, why aren't you in a right relationship with God? Come see me. Let's talk about that. Let's get you in a right relationship. Let's make sure you're righteous. But if you are righteous today, it's because of this. I am righteous, right with God, by trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I am righteous, right with God, by trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God loved us so much, which means he cared about us so much that he did what he could do within healthy boundaries. What's, by the way, an unhealthy for boundary for God? God will not force you. That would be an unhealthy boundary. God loves you. Because he loves you, he's going to give you a choice. That's what love requires. So God, within the healthy boundary of choice, sent his son to die for us. 
That was how much he loved us. That's love. Moved him to action within boundaries. Now he says, look, I want a right relationship. But you can't do it on your own. You can't buy your way out of this one. I don't need flowers. I don't need candy. I don't take me out to dinner. I need you to trust in what my son did for you. I sent him for you. I sent him to die for you, to live for you, to teach, to show you what life was about, and then to die, and then I raised him from the dead. Now, here's the question. Will you believe it? God says, do you trust me? Do you trust that Jesus did this for you? Do you trust, first of all, that it's true? Do you trust that he did it for you? Will you now claim it? Not just believe that it happened, but claim it for your own. And if you will, that'll fix our relationship. If you'll trust what Jesus did, that fixes it between us. You don't have to do anything. Just believe me. And it'll be right. And when we're right with God, we are, what's the word? Righteous. Righteous. Not by actions but by faith. Look at this. We know very well that we are not set right by God by rule-keeping, but only through personal faith. Don't go anywhere with this one, right? Just keep it right there. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule-keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Scripture says. How do we know it adds? Here's why. We tried it. We've had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Paul is writing about this to the church of Galatians. He's talking about the Jewish system, the Ten Commandments, actually this what, 617 mitzvahs, all those rules that you had to follow to be righteous. Paul says, we tried that. It didn't work. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good, not by trying to be good, not by trying to be good, we're going to talk about why we try to be good here in just a minute, okay? But I'm not trying to get in a right relationship with God by being good. I'm in a right relationship with God, righteous, because God said, I sent my son for you. Do you trust him? And the answer to that one will determine whether or not you are righteous whether you're in that right relationship. That's righteousness. That's all there is to it. If you're in a right relationship with God, you're righteous. If you're in a right relationship with God, it's because you trust Jesus Christ. You're righteous. If you're trying to do it on your own, you're unrighteous. I don't care how good you are. You're unrighteous. You're not in a right relationship. Have you trusted Jesus to set your relationship right with God? If you haven't, you are not righteous. You're not in a right relationship. You can't get in a right relationship without trusting him. It can't be done. But have you trusted him? If I said to you, why why are you righteous? Would you say, because I trust Jesus Christ. And I'd say, yeah, you're righteous. If I said, why are you righteous? Well, I'm not righteous. I'd say, wow, you're on your way to hell. That's pretty bad. Well, okay, I, maybe I am righteous. Well, why are you righteous? Because I really love God and I'm trying my best. 
Let's put an un in front of that word righteous right now, okay? Because that's a wrong answer. You're not righteous. You are unrighteous. You're trying to earn it. You can't do it. Are you righteous? It's because you trust Jesus. Now, does that mean that after I'm righteous, and I've been righteous for decades, I get to do whatever I want to do because it doesn't matter? No, no, no. Shake your little heads just like this. I'm going to give you two words for the price of one this morning, okay? You ready? Because I need to explain something to you in just a couple of minutes. The difference between righteousness and holiness, all right? This is huge so that you understand the difference between righteousness and holiness. Don't confuse the two. You are righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. That right relationship is established and it's maintained not by what you do. It's not maintained by your actions. It's maintained by faith from the beginning to end. Or do you trust Jesus Christ to fix your relationship with God? You're righteous. I am righteous because of faith in what Jesus has done for me. That's the thing we need to remember. I am righteous because of faith in what Jesus has done for me. But I'm still learning to be holy. Okay? I am righteous. I am learning to walk in holiness. That's another word we don't use very much. It's too bad it's a good scriptural word. But again, once again, if you go out to the world and say, well, yes, we, we try to walk in holiness, people would go, what are you talking about? Even within this room, if I told you that I'm learning and trying to walk in holiness, half of you would go, our pastor's lost it. That's weird. Talk holiness? But it's a great biblical word and it just simply means i'm learning to do what's right i am right with god through faith but that doesn't mean my life is right it doesn't mean that i am right it doesn't mean that that i'm doing everything right and i want to be a better person i want to become holy i want to walk in holiness and i am becoming holy because of what jesus is doing in me now, do you understand the difference? There it is. I am righteous because of faith in what Jesus has done for me. My standing with God is complete and full. I, I'm not going to be more righteous later on. I'm not less righteous. My actions don't affect that righteousness. I am becoming holy because of what Jesus is doing in me. Because while I am right with God, there's so much in me that's wrong. There's so much in me that needs to be changed. So much has changed. So much needs to be changed. And my Father is at work changing me. So I can walk in holiness. And I can be the person I was created to be. Always righteous. Always. My relationship with God is established by faith and it's always righteous. But I'm learning to be holy as Jesus works in me. You see, there are two huge mistakes that, that people make. First one is this, and this is why this is important. You probably want to use this terminology out in the world because they won't get it because that's all right. Half of you don't, still don't get it. I know. That's why we're, we're doing this whole series. This is tough stuff, guys. Make your head hurt. Makes my head hurt. I know. Two mistakes is, is we say, well, we're not any different than the people out there. Well, if you're not any different than my friends, we're in trouble. 
We better be different. We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. We're called to live a different way. We are called to be different people than out there. We're not just like anybody else. But then the second mistake is that maybe we're different and therefore we are superior because of what we do, and that is wrong. I am right with God, which makes me different than many people out there. And I am at, God is at work right now trying to change me into be a better person, which makes me very different than the people out there. But you know what? None of it has anything to do with me. So here's where we, we bring it all right down to this point. In all my righteousness and holiness, the credit and glory go to Jesus. That's what we've got to learn to perfect. To be able to say to the world and to one another, I am righteous before God, and I am learning to become holy, but I don't get any credit at all. I'm not better than anybody. I'm not superior. If there's any difference in me, it is because of what Jesus has done. Take a look at this passage. It is because of him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom, that is, from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. If you were to come up to me and say, boy, you're righteous, aren't you? I'd say, yes, I am, but that's because of Jesus, not me. I didn't do anything. He did it. If you came up to me and said, you know, I've seen a huge difference. I remember you when you were 20 or 30 years ago, and, and I see so much growth in you. And I would say, yeah, but that's not me. It's not me at all because of Jesus Christ. I'm in a right relationship with God because of Jesus. I'm growing up in him because of Jesus. I'm being changed inside because of Jesus. What we've got to learn to do as Christ followers is to let the world know out there somehow some way yeah there is a difference in our lives but it's not because of us the credit the glory the praise goes to who jesus always so as we get ready to close this time and move into what we call our sela sela just means meditate think about it um it's going to give you a moment or two as we play a song to think about where you are in this righteousness. Some of you may still have a hard time claiming righteousness. It's too bad. If you know God, if you're in a right relationship, then you are righteous. You're not going to be any more righteous. If you know more, you are as righteous now as you're ever going to be. And I hope you got that. But those of us who are righteous... We also know that there's some things that have to change within our lives. Walk in holiness. Walk in the light. Learning to do what God wants us to do. All that can happen over the course of our life. But only because of Jesus. Now maybe you're not righteous. Maybe you know your relationship with God isn't right. Could I just implore you today, make it right. Make it right today. And you don't make it right by doing anything. Remember, we, you make it right by just trusting. When God said, my son died for you, he lived for you, I, rose, I bring him back from the dead, he lives for you, do you trust him? Can you say, yeah, I, I trust him. I'm so sorry. For all the things I was doing that were on my own way, I trust that Jesus died for me. I want a relationship with you, Father, because of what Jesus did. At that moment, at that moment, you will be as righteous as you are ever going to get.
because you'll be right with God. But then those of us who are righteous, right with God. Yeah. I want to be more than just righteous. I mean, that's a wonderful thing to be, and that's, a, that's the number one thing within my life. But I want to do better. I want God to work in me and change me into the person he wants me to be. And he's been working at it for 40 years or more, and he's going to keep working at it until I, one day I look him in the face and say, Father, I guess I'm home. He says, yeah. All that work is done down there. Welcome home. What needs to change in your life, all you righteous ones? What does he want to do? Well, those who are going to help me with communion, come forward, please. Each week we serve communion. And we serve communion and we call it open communion, simply meaning you don't have to be a member. You can be a first-time visitor and receive the elements. When the music begins here in just a moment, you certainly don't have to come forward. Many people will not. They choose week to week whether they want to receive the elements. The altars will be open if you want to come and pray. Jack DeMarco, a great man of God, is over here. If you just want to come for a special blessing, great man of prayer. Are you righteous? Well, I hope so. If you're not, get righteous. If you are righteous, what does God want to change in you? In the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is broken for you, take and eat. The same manner after supper, he took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, this cup is the new covenant. My blood shed for forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. For as often as you do eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you remember the Lord's death till he come again. Jesus, this time is yours. We thank you that we can claim righteousness. Right relationship with you because of you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.